Hello everyone and welcome to the first ever episode of the Marginally Offside podcast. I'm Luke and I'm joined by Dan. Hello. And Alex. Hello there. This is a new podcast and we're going to be taking a bit of a light-hearted look at the football world filled with information and of course fun. We will look at the main talking points in the footballing world as, uh, as well as some of the more obscure talking points that Alex will undoubtedly provide you. So before we jump into the topics of this uh, actual podcast, as it's the first episode, we're going to give a little introduction about ourselves, who we support and uh, some of our football ongoings for our life. So I'm Luke. I'm a huge Charlton Athletic fan. I've been a season ticket holder for the last four years. Uh, it's been a bit of a despairing time for me supporting Charlton at the moment. But, you know, onwards and upwards, hopefully uh, in the future, we'll be challenging Dan's team, which you'll find out about now. Yeah, thanks for that, Luke. Uh, my name's Dan, as Luke previously said, and I'm a Manchester United season ticket holder. Whilst uh, things are undoubtedly better than uh, both Luke and Alex's situation with their football teams, it has been a rather interesting time since Sir Alex Ferguson retired. And obviously, most of my childhood memories of watching United play were under his, under his stewardship. However, recently, with Ollie's uh, taking of the reins, we seem to be making steady improvements, although many people want him out. I'm not one of those. And uh, hopefully we give him sufficient uh, backing and support to, to start challenging for major. And over to Alex. And I'm Alex. I'm, a, as Dan alluded to, a, a long-suffering Sunderland supporter. Um, and I'm sure everyone has seen our plight over uh, Netflix. Um, I also uh, cover Sheffield Wednesday um, and as it can be seen, I'm a jinx to any team I take any interest in. So uh, on top of seeing my side lose to both of uh, Dan and Luke's teams in big games. So While we're on that yeah. um, talking point, <laughs> uh, seeing as we're introducing ourselves, why don't we uh, go for our favourite football in moment? And I think Alex has already mentioned mine. I think it has to be uh, the player final uh, 2018. 2019, 19. I don't even know myself. Um, it's uh, <laughs> obviously... Because ch- he was too drunk. Yeah, well, well, had, a, had a few, had a few. Uh, Charlton versus Sunderland, obviously the 90th minute winner at Wembley with 40,000 Charlton fans. I, I don't think there's any any better feeling than that, scoring a last minute winner in such a big game as Dan obviously knows in uh, 1999. Indeed, age two and... Uh... Loving that, loving the United way at that point. Um, unfortunately, not. I don't, I don't remember much of the uh, '99 treble. Um, I'd say my interest in, in football in general started roughly, well, probably 2004, 2005 seasons, which is when United under Ferguson were going through a bit of a transition. Um, we still weren't a bad team, obviously, but in terms of favourite, most favourite live memory of a game. Um, I've got to say the City win, the last game that I attended this year, uh, probably because of the significance of the fact that we've not been in the stadium for over six months now. Um, it was definitely up there. Wins against Liverpool over the last couple of years, particularly when uh, Rashford had Trent on toast a couple of years ago. Mourinho's second season was a particular favourite. But then even away games like Huddersfield in the FA Cup, just experiencing a different a different ground and being amongst the away fans is just top notch. So. Yeah, are, are we moving on then, or is it possible for a Sunderland fan to have a favourite moment down the years? <laughs> his his, his uh, appearance on Netflix. Yeah, so I'm paying me the royalties for that. But uh, yeah, I think probably Barber Square. Back 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 when we were in the Premier League, 
Yeah, try goes up there, I guess. <laughs> Back in the Premier League, seeing us beat Newcastle three 0 at home, and and then obviously getting relegated was was a fantastic memory, and that sees me beat Man United at home as well. Unfortunately, um, not. I don't think anything's really gone right since then. But <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, you know, obviously we look for. Uh, Better times in the future, you know, when we can go back to playing Accrington and Rochdale. Some big games. Getting your draw. Huge. It's absolutely huge. Yeah, so should we jump in with some uh, discussion of what's going on in the football world right now then? Yeah, absolutely. Other than football, obviously. Well, exactly, yeah. So, I mean... I, I guess there's not really any major news in the Premier League right now. The transfer window is obviously about to open, so... Whoa, 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 whoa. Hang on. Arsenal are near the relegation zone. United are title contenders. That's pretty big news. I mean, Arsenal are on fine form. They're pulling away from Fulham now, so uh, I don't think they're... Fine form. They be- they beat a Brighton team that's won one game at home in the calendar year. That's not an achievement. Beat Chelsea. And they beat, they beat Chelsea, who blow hot and cold. And quite frankly lead to the discussion of whether Frank's a, a worthy manager for them or not, to be perfectly honest. Yeah, if, if we want to talk a bit about Frank Lampard, I, I think the thing with Frank Lampard is if he was any other person, his role would be questioned hugely right now. I, I don't know personally if he's the man for the job. I think it's always kind of distorted when you've got a club legend as a manager. Obviously, you'd, you'd way uh, more hesitant to sack him because obviously, even though Abramovich might not see him as such. Um, the fans will, will turn on him if he, if he just sacks Frank. So he gets way more chance than uh, anyone else would. Well, the, pre- the pressure's on him this year simply because they've spent loads of money in the transfer window. they spent, what, 250 million? Yeah. No, I mean, la- last season, they didn't spend anything because they had a transfer embargo and everyone kind of gave him a free hit, gave him an easy ride. And he got to the final of the FA Cup, but he lost to Arsenal. And let's be fair, that Arsenal team... Uh, as they're proving this season, very average. Um, and yeah, this season the players that he's bought haven't haven't been good enough. Werner's got what four goals in twelve games. Yeah, I... ZX injured. Havertz has been poor, other than a Patrick in the League Cup against somebody crap. But again, mighty Barnsley. Well, there you go. Exactly, he's got a hat trick against Barnsley. I guess the question for you is: um, Is it his fault that his signings just haven't clicked? Like on paper, you. Everyone was looking at Havertz, Werner, Ziyech, and you're thinking, wow, like Chelsea are going to tear it up this year. But those three players, I mean, Ziyech's obviously been out injured and Werner had an okay start to the season, but those three players just haven't clicked. And, you know, that's 150 million plus probably about that for those three players. So is it his fault? I don't, or? I don't, I don't think that's his fault. I think the fact that he he's basically cast aside Aspilicueta, the club captain, way too easily. Like, he's just not playing games. And then you've got a centre-back pairing that until the last couple of games has been chopping and changing. I mean, Thiago Silva, I said when he came, would be an absolute flop, but he's, other than the first couple of games, he's looked all right. He's not looked like a world-class centre-back, but he's, what, 36 years of age? He's not going to solve the problem long-term. And I don't think Frank's going to solve the problem long-term. I don't understand I why... Think, I think with... I think with I think the, the thing is at Chelsea is that, well, with a lot of clubs this season, you, you've just got to assess it at the end of the campaign. Chelsea weren't necessarily nailed on for top four the whole of last season. Neither was anyone outside of Liverpool and Man City. Um, they're only a couple of points off the top four now. If you're telling me that you're waiting on on that cap, you know those caliber of players to click, and they've got half the season to go, then you'd be more 
more than confident in, in Lampard's perspective, they would finish in the top four, I think, because they've got a much stronger team than a lot of their challengers. Um, but, is that, but is that good enough? With the money they've spent this year... It is what good enough? Uh, Lampard's remit is to finish top yeah, four. But it, they know that but they they're top, not ready But they finished top four. I think this is the argument that's thrown at Solskjaer a lot, and I've seen thrown at him a lot on social media, is that fans want to see improvement. Where's the improvement for Chelsea if they finish in the top four? They finished top four last season. They are probably going to be further away. And the season, being as crazy as it has been so far, leads teams to being closer. I mean, for God's sake, United are not a title-challenging team. There's way too many holes in the squad, and we're above them. I, I, think, I think the problem is, is you've got to take the situation as it is. And regardless of how many faults you think your team or all the other teams have, you can only play off the points. You, you've seen, you know, you've seen the amount of teams dropping points at the minute. As long as you're within what six points of top of the league, top four, then then you're going to believe that you have a chance of doing it. But do you honestly think they're going to keep Lampard for another season if they only qualify top four and don't win anything? I think I think I think, I think, I, I, think I think Lampard's job is safe until he doesn't finish top four. But even then, if he finished fifth this season. Yeah, but how, how harsh would that be to sack him? Yeah, but they sacked Rafa Benitez and he won the Europa League. They sacked Roberto Di Matteo and he'd won the Champions League the season before. This is the team well, that don't but, but keep Benitez managers. wasn't sacked. He was an interim manager ahead of Mourinho. Well, still, uh, they, they did. Di, Di Matteo was a harsh one. Yes, he, he is. He and he, you could argue he was a Chelsea legend as well. Abramovich is not scared to sack him, but I think this season is a write-off for everything because. It's it's completely different to, to anything anyone could have planned for. I understand that football won't be very sympathetic to that argument, but as it stands, I would still feel confident Chelsea will finish yeah, top not, four. Not I, only I think, that, I, I think, I mean, as a Chelsea fan, you'd take being behind Aston Villa when they've got two games in hand in you at this stage of the season, really. <laughs> but I, I just don't, I don't see how you can... Because this is what annoys me with... with football journalism in particular and yes I'm having a pop at people in your profession Alex that certain managers get off very lightly Jurgen Klopp is one which yeah alright he's charismatic and everyone would love him as their manager but Jesus Christ he's also revolutionised Liverpool completely but <laughs> yeah but you say revolutionised he's got the most expensive goalkeeper in world football he's got the most expensive centre yeah, back the, in world football until Maguire came the thing is which the thing is, is you, you can say he's got the most expensive goalkeeper and centre back but any of those big four big five big six clubs could also do the same there's nothing stopping them but he, but he, but he also finished eighth Yes. And celebrated a draw against West Brom. Which is when he first joined the club. And since he's had time to build the club, they've now won the league and the Champions League. But but he... Yeah, both brilliant achievements with the Sleeping Giant. However, the amount of stick that him and Guardiola get in comparison to an Ole Gunnar Solskjaer or a Lampard at the minute or even a Jose Mourinho, even when he was at United... It's ridiculous. What, what what has Pep Guardiola done with City that's so great? Won the league. I, I think the thing is, I think. Yeah, but he's not. Rebuilt I mean, to be fair, you could argue Guardiola within two seasons creating the best ever team the Premier League has ever seen. I mean, I I agree that Guardiola gets off um, lightly in terms of press criticism, especially when this season was the, the worst ever season he's statistically had. But uh, if inside two years you've turned a team that was scraping top four which is not a convenient uh, argument to use. But if you ask Man City fans, uh, 40, 15, 15, 16, 
that that's what they actually were doing, then um, to turn them into the best team the Premier League has arguably ever seen inside two years is quite a job. I think Guardiola's criticism needs to come this year. And yes, it probably should happen. But, uh, you know, it's, it's just how the world works. People have favourites. You know, Mourinho was once the press's darling. <laughs> and now everybody is is quite happy to jump on the bandwagon of him not doing a good job. But you've just got to look at the situation as it is. And the table at the minute is in a very misleading position, arguably, because of the entire situation. And Solskjaer, you know, I think he is starting to get some plaudits for, for having his team. You know, what are they, two points behind Liverpool? Yeah. He's done a good job there. But at the start of the season... You can't dispute that they also had an awful start where they didn't win in their first what four or five home games. Well, we did. Yeah, I mean we've won we've won three now this season at home. Um, we've only lost three though. So I mean, in terms of in terms of getting beat, I mean, yes, we lost we lost to Palace and it was atrocious. We lost to Arsenal, but they came to Old Trafford and played for a nil nil and nicked a one nil from a pen. And um, yeah, Spurs just took our pants down and royally spanked us. But that's just a a game that you just kind of have to go, well, fair enough, we were awful and they were good and that was it. But, the, you know, I mean, you look at the inconsistencies this season with City. City couldn't beat West Brom at home. Yes, all right, United were lucky to beat West Brom at home and probably didn't deserve to at times. But City, City I don't see how Guardiola, with the money he has spent, he spent what? Over a billion pounds. I mean, he spent a fair few hundred million just on fullbacks for Christ's sake. And are they are they that great? I mean Kyle Walker, he's okay. I mean was was decent a couple of seasons ago. I think, I think, Kyle, Walker's be, I think Kyle Walker's better than okay, but it's it's too simplistic argument to go, Oh, they've spent this much, they should be doing this. I mean Sunderland used to spend fifty million every summer and you know that was in fifty million was actually a lot of money, and they still finished fourth bottom. But then, so, but then, what do you do? Because then, obviously, the argument is well, they're not throwing any youth players, and they've got Foden, and they've got the the young lad at centre back. Is it Garcia? Oh, he's gone, hasn't he? Yeah, is he gone? I thought he was still there. No, he's he's going. He's 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 going in the summer, but he's he's still there now. But yeah, Guardiola doesn't want to play him because he knows his heart isn't there. So they've got a couple of young lads. They've let players like Sancho go. Because they're bringing in, but bringing in all this talent. But I don't, yeah, but I don't let's think... be let's be clear. If Man City win their two games in hand, they're in the they're in top four. Well, they're and if, if top they win four the, at the if, minute is not a million miles off. If they win top their two the games in hand, they're a point behind us, I believe, which puts them three behind Liverpool, depending on the current result. And this is why I said this is why I said in, in this season of all seasons, you've just got to look at the job at the end of the season. And I think if any manager's sacked. It's very harsh because they're a couple of wins away from being in a lot better place in the table. And Man City, you know, I think I think people actually aren't getting too excited as you think they would be. Man City, apparently, the best team in the land until, what, Liverpool in the last year or so. But Man City are about eighth in the league, which which is quite surprising at Christmas, isn't it? But, you know, that's, that's how the league is at the minute. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um... I think Dan, as a, as a Man U fan, um, I mean, you've got to be very happy with your position right now. Is there anything that you'd, you'd change going into twenty twenty one? Any any new signings? Oh yeah, I think we're we're still probably. I'd say we're four away from being a top top team. 
Um, while there's gap, while there is gaps in that first team, or while there are gaps that most people can see, we're not title contenders, in my opinion. I think it's brilliant what we've done. I think Solskjaer's got the best out of a few players. Obviously, Rashford and Martial had their most productive seasons last year. He's brought in Greenwood really well. Pogba's as good as gone, as far as I'm concerned, which I don't think is a bad thing. But we definitely need a right winger. We've needed a right winger for two or three years now, potentially even longer. Um, we probably need a central midfield player, especially if Pogba goes, like a Sal Niguez sort of sort of type, like a um, Donny Van der Beek kind of player. See, this is the thing that annoys me as well. Everyone loses their minds with Donny not playing games, but he's come from a new league, and I've got to say, in terms of handling the transition from from like even reserve team football to first team football with like Mason Greenwood and last year with Dan James at times. Like he Solskjaer knows when to use players and he's now turning to his bench and he's got strength. Yeah, I, I think the thing I think the thing with that is not about him not playing. It's the fact that you you know you've got this transfer window to sign players and it actually improve your squad and you spent a lot of money on one player you've chosen not to play. And... But, if, but is but is forty million quid nowadays a lot of money? Fifty million quid was spent on Sigurdsson. Newcastle spent what thirty million on Joel Linton. Donny van der yeah, Donny but they van are both stars. Yeah, but Donny van der Beek was never brought in to start games of football for Man United. I, I think it's just frustration. Well, I think someone hasn't told the press that it's frustration they? at the yeah, transfer but, but window that they didn't sign someone who was going to be a starter and improve the. Yeah, but this is but this is the problem. This is the problem with Man United at the minute. Is higher up there are serious serious issues. Yes, our recruitment's got better under Solskjaer, but even then, I mean, Maguire isn't worth £80 million. Yes, he's improved what we had and he's been a stalwart in the last season and a half and he's been better than he has. He's been a better player than most people give him credit for. He's had better days than bad days. Um, Dan James is, was a gamble that in hindsight probably hasn't paid off, but I don't think that's all his fault. I mean, the fact that he's come in as a 21-year-old and is expected to start games for United and we were ravished with injuries last year is ridiculous. Um, I mean, Wambasaka is probably one of the best one-to-one defensive fullbacks I've ever seen. But going forward, he is well. He's quite frankly awful. Um, Bruno is probably the best best player in his role in world football on current form. And then you've got a penalty taker. Well, that as well. James Ward-Prowse. And then you've got Donny Van der Beek who, let's be fair, United fans are crying out for strength in depth. He gives us that strength in depth. And when Paul Pogba goes, he'll play more often. Um, and then Alex Tellers, who's, you know, who's, I mean, not set the world alight, but he's, I'm sure there, there's more to come from him. Cavani, I was very, very annoyed with in terms of at the time because I felt it was a complete panic buy. If we'd have wanted him so desperately, why didn't we sign him in the May or June? I don't, I don't understand why we'd wait to the last day of the transfer window. That's just poor planning. But we need a right winger. We spent all summer chasing Jaden Sancho and didn't get over the line. I'd love a striker long-term like a Haaland, who Solskjaer's worked with before. But that requires, one, him wanting to come to us. Two, was working with Mina Raiola again, which I'd rather not. And three, Solskjaer being in a job long enough to actually use the player. And then a centre-half. A cent- we, we absolutely need another centre-half. Because Bailly is made of paper. 
Tuanzebi just doesn't seem to be getting opportunities, but also 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 had his injury concerns. Lindelof, I don't think, is a title challenging centre back, and Maguire needs someone with pace alongside him. So United need a lot of players, probably four or five, I'd say. I'd love Jack Grealish, but I think that ship sailed, unfortunately. Um, I'd love a centre back. We're apparently looking at a right back option, someone a bit quicker, someone a bit more offensive, just to give cover to Wambasaka which is a bit confusing for me because Brandon Williams can play there. Um, but again, doesn't seem to be getting the chances. We've got Ethan Laird in the reserves, who's brilliantly offensively and even better defensively, but he's had his injury concerns. So I'd say United need a few players, and I know for a fact they won't they won't go get them because our board don't show any ambition. Fair enough. I think um, moving on from Manu now, Jude, are you guys expecting any big transfers in the January transfer window? Anyone want to? Predict any? And I think I think Diego Costa could be the biggest in terms of name. In terms of name and money, I saw today that if he signs for for Barcelona or Real Madrid, not that I think he will. Although Barcelona, well, definitely are desperate. Apparently, he has to pay Atletico twenty three million pounds. Jesus Christ! I tell you who I tell you who'd be good at in the Prem though. Who who really are missing a centre forward that could probably take certainly in the short term take their their, uh, you know, play up a lot. Well, well, I think this is the thing, isn't it? In the in the Premier League, you you, I think you, uh, I mean, if you look points wise, you actually have about ten teams that, with the unpredictability of the season, if they got a strike, if they got a world class striker, you think if he could fire them to fourth place, just just the one off, maybe even as a fluke, but if Diego Costa. Because we all know he's had his attitude problems and his disciplinary problems. If he's actually up for it, he he could go to a prem team, and if they say we're going to give you two hundred grand a week, but if you're going to get us Champions League money, I don't think anyone's going to bat an eyelid at it. But I think I think he'd really suit a, a Wolves at the minute. I think he'd get guaranteed game time. I think they've got some really really good players in that squad. They definitely lack a centre forward. I mean, Jesus, they could have easily nicked the game against us. Um, and we're quite unlucky to lose, to be perfectly honest. I thought if they'd had a centre forward, they'd have definitely scored a, at least one goal. Well, isn't isn't Cost is Costa's agent? Um, Mendes, Pedro, name. not Pedro Mendes. Oh, what's his name? Jorge Mendes. Although Pedro yeah, Mendes is is, 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 is his agent Mendes? Not sure because because with the uh, Jimenez being out. I mean, to be honest, I'm not sure if I'd rule it out. <laughs> no, I, I, in fact, that might be my betting tip for for today. Whack a few yeah. few quid on Diego Costa to Wolves, and to be honest, I'd quite like to see that. I think it'd yeah. be quite a good. Transfer. I think besides, yeah, Dan is all about how nice living in uh, Birmingham is, so I'm sure he can give Diego a few tips to where he can stay. Well, I'm sure you can. You got nearly thrown out of Molyneux for standing on some seats back in the day, so I'm sure you could, uh, <laughs> you know, give him a few tips. I think. Um... Besides Diego Costa, one one transfer I'm probably expecting to see rather than might see, which uh, maybe well maybe optimistic, but I I can see Deli Ali leaving, especially if Pochettino goes to PSG, he might you know raid his old club and try and get him on him on board. I think it'll be a loan though. I don't think it'll be a permanent transfer. I don't. I'm I don't. not sure when his contracts up, but I think Pochettino. The only thing you can say about Pochettino is. I appreciate they're on a three-week break, but what, why is this taking so long to be done? 
that like he's it's been rumored for about almost a week now that this is going to happen. Why isn't it not just been signed and then they can go right first of January we're bringing in, you know, whoever because. I think Delhi Ali is ready to go, isn't he? Oh, definitely. And yeah. I think he can probably get. He can get. I mean, I'm not really sure. I mean, obviously, everyone's seen the Spurs documentary with uh, what Mourinho makes him after a first training session. But uh, I, I thought Pochettino by now would have been done and dusted and gone. Right, first of January, I'm ready to go get Ali. Maybe, maybe one or two others from Spurs because you know Mourinho's got a bit of a a list of players. Yeah. He's not a fan of. This. He does that with every club. This is something I kind of wanted to talk about because I I feel like there's certain players in the league that just, you know, Deli Alli's not really a shining example of it, but they just don't get a chance at their club. And I feel like if they went to a club, you know, like a PSG, a Bayern Munich, an Atletico Madrid, you know, they could could stand out as world-class players. Like I've spoken about it before to, to Alex. I feel like... Callum Hudson-Odoi could be an incredibly talented player and if he was playing every game for Bayern Munich, he could be like on par with Serge Gnabry, who's a player who never really got a chance at Arsenal. And, you know, they're just they're just rotting away at Chelsea, you know, Man City and not, not getting a chance. Um, I don't know. I mean, Deli Alli's not one of them, but if he, if he was to break into the PSG team, it wouldn't surprise me to see him do really well and, you know, become an England star all over again. I think I think Deli Ali appears to be a sort of guy that needs and he's not the sort of person that deals over Mourinho's management. He doesn't need tough love. I mean he's arm around the shoulder. He likes to be told how good he is, or at least it appears that way. When anyone criticizes him, he seems to just, you know, go into a shell. And in fairness to him, he's, there's been no when he was at United, there was discontent rumours flying here, there and everywhere, and all the players were looking to leave and whatever. But I've not really there's not been much from Deli Ali in that sense. It's more been from people kind of just guessing and then Spurs saying, no, we don't want to sell him. I mean, it's an interesting one. Like you say about Carl Hudson Adoy, I don't know if he'd get into the Bayern team. That, but then a few years ago, would. would you not say the same about Serge Gnabry? You know? I mean, yeah, so Serge Gnabry, Mr. Mr. Two sub appearances in six months at a Tony Pudis West Brom. It's all about the right place, right time. But with, with Deli Ali. I mean, in his, you know, after two seasons at Spurs, he, he, he I think, he, is, is he the youngest, the youngest player to get fifty goals and assists in the Premier League or something? He did it inside eighteen months, and he was being linked with Real Madrid. I mean, obviously, we don't know how how deep that was, but that, that something's gone wrong for him even way before Mourinho. The player Deli Ali was even in sixteen seventeen is not what you saw. A year, two well, years later, and if he goes to PSG, Pochettino, you'd argue, knows how to deal with him. But it, I feel like he has to be a bit of a star man. And uh, I mean, you know, the, these players that they've got egos are sensitive guys. Is him being put into a team with Neymar and uh, Mbappe? Is Ali going to feel that important or special alongside those guys who uh, who are you know a, cl- a class above Ali? Well, yeah, but let's not forget, I mean, the famous quote from Mourinho when he first joined United was that Ferguson had said he wanted to sign, if he was still manager, he would sign one player and that'd be Dele Alli. But Because apparently he's got that quality and he's got that arrogance. He needs to play for United. But I don't see, like you, Alex, I don't see how you can just turn around, let's be fair, 18 months of poor performances. I mean, you look at Alexis Sanchez. Alexis Sanchez was on his way down at Arsenal 
in that last season, but he was still scoring goals. He came to United, awful. Somehow managed to offload him to Inter on loan, and now on a on a permanent deal. Albeit, you know, we've not made any transfer fee from him, but we've cleared him from the wage bill, and he's been even worse there. I don't think players like him can turn it on and off like a tap. I think they need a run of games and a, a run of consistency, consistent performances. And I don't think he's going to get that in the PSG team. Can you name me a better? Can you name me a, a better man manager than Ferguson? I think Marine. I think Marine. Like you say, Mourinho, his his um, behaviour with players like Ali, as you've seen, and with well, he's he's done it with various people. You know, falling out with people like Casillas and Ramos and Ronaldo at Real Madrid and, and back in his Chelsea days. It, 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 Ali's a player that probably would have benefited massively from someone like Ferguson being like, right, come on, I'm, I've done this with Cantona and Giggs and Ronaldo and Rooney and everybody else, and I'm going to do this to you. Because, you know, ultimately, regardless of your club outlook, if you can get a Deli Ali back on what he's like in the first couple of years at Spurs, England have enough talent as they have. You know, Dali Ali might even stand out above all of them if you can get him back to his best. Yeah, and I'd, I'd like uh, for a time, I'd love to have seen him at United, but again, that ship's probably sailed because Bruno Fernandes is just a, a freak, and we just don't have need for him anymore. Um, but he's certainly someone I think could could really still do a job in the Premier League. He just needs a manager that loves and trusts him. Maybe that is Pochettino. But speaking about. Um, you know, Luke's suggestion of a January January transfer. How how much do you think uh, you know Ali Ali would cost now? How much would not necessarily? I don't know. It, it Spurs, I guess it's more about Levy than Mourinho. But how much would Spurs want for him? Bearing in mind how he's played over the last couple of years, because money's I, tight everywhere. I think you could get him out of Tottenham for between forty and 50. yeah, I think forty. Mill. And who's paying it? Uh, yeah, but that's but that is the thing. Who who can afford to pay big transfer fees at the minute? Real Madrid, they're in. I mean, they released the financial statistics, didn't they? And they'd made a hundred grand Jeez. this this year, and they obviously their summer budget is usually yeah. upwards of one hundred and fifty mil. So they're in serious. They made hundred grand. Barcelona in trouble. Yeah, hundred and sixty k. I can't remember who published the statistics, but it was quite a damning read. Um, so they're they're not doing great. Barcelona are in similar strife. I mean, they've got bloody Martin Brathwaite up front, so they're not in the greatest of positions. Mm. You look at financial muscle. I mean, United have got the money to do it, but I don't see it happening. Um, Chelsea have got the money to do it, but again, don't see that happening. They've got players in that position. I, I don't think would he, he, would he get in the Liverpool team. No, and then when you look abroad, English players seem to have a. A, an attitude of you know abroad's not for them and maybe especially this generation it's well the Premier League's the place to be so why would I go anywhere else but Ali for as good as he is he, he's running out of uh, possible clubs in a key time in his career but but then do, what's more likely then do you reckon do you reckon he sticks it out and waits for Mourinho to get sacked because that's undoubtedly coming at some point or do you reckon he he cuts his losses and, and risks it at a team or just tries to buy his own contract out. Because in theory, he could he could buy his own contract out, probably. 
I, I think so, I think he'll look to leave in January, and if not January, I think he'll almost definitely go in the summer unless Mourinho is still knocking about. Um, I think besides Ali, there's there's some other potential big moves. I think we've spoken about Manu, um, Duncan, Duncan Watmore, of course, but I, I think down towards the lower end, we're talking of can are Tottenham going to keep Ali? Are Crystal Palace going to keep Zahar? I feel like. He'll obviously be linked to God knows. Oh, well timed, Alex. <laughs> well, I still work with Zaha. I was linked with somebody. I think he's. Li- I think he's linked with AC Milan, but I think Wilfred Zaha. Yeah, was- every window is going to now be linked to some but, relatively but big he's... European club. I, but the thing is, I think if Palace let him go, it would have to be for huge money. But surely, surely he's but not worth that much money anymore because. He's cracking on a bit, any um but if, if they do let him but go, then where they get dragged right into the relegation battle, although you could argue Iberichi as is good enough to replace him. No, but they they made I mean, yeah, Eze's an unbelievable talent, but it made sense a couple of years ago when Arsenal came sniffing before they signed Pepe to let him go for seventy mil. But they didn't. And now they've probably got a player on their hands who, yeah, okay, he turns up and he tries his best and all that. But his heart's not in Palace. He knows he could play for a bigger club. But no one will pay that sort of money for him. And you say about him not being worth that anymore, but where does it start? Who's who's going to be the first player that goes for significantly less money than the last two or three years? Who You almost need someone to set that trend. I mean, Neymar and Mbappe said it in the opposite direction. And arguably Paul Pogba before that. Um, so who's? I don't know where the line's going to be drawn in terms. I'm of not sure if someone gets Zahar, how much for? I'm not. I'm not sure. I don't think if if Zahar doesn't leave by next summer, he is not leaving Palace because, I mean, you say his heart's not in it. I think. I think the the big thing about Arsenal was. I think he's more than happy to live in London and play in the Premier League, but. I mean, Palace, with one of them, if you actually look at the stats, everyone was like, oh, if Zaha goes, Palace are down. But actually, this is Zaha's best scoring season in years for Palace. And maybe now they've signed Eze, that they are in a position that they aren't aren't as desperate just to everyone to go, right, as soon as you win the ball back, get it to Zaha, because he'll get us up the pitch and, and do something. But it, it is running out because, you know, I mean, I remember Wilfred Zaha when he, I think he made his debut and was about 16, 17 at Palace. And suddenly that's 12 years ago. And it's like now he's, is he tw- he's 28 now, isn't he? Yeah. yeah. Well, no yeah, one's, we, we no signed one's him. spending what? Like, how much money would you even want for him? No one's spending 50 million on him now. I reckon, yeah, he's worth probably 25, 30 right now. But, I, but if, this is the weird thing is that I'd probably have him back at United as a right wing option if you told him he was only going to play on the right wing. He can certainly you'd have, play. You'd have Antonio Valencia back. Um, other than a right back cover, no, because I mean, he lost his ability as a winger as soon as he got seriously injured in the Champions League game. But anyway, Zahar, if he can play, if he wants to play on the right wing, if he wants to try and prove himself at United, I think he's got the perfect manager to go and do so. I think he's the, the United squad at the minute is probably the most likable squad since Ferguson, and we're we're the sort of team that could pay the money for him. I don't see 
someone spending any more than, like you say, 30 million on a 27, 28-year-old Wilfred Zaha. I, uh, I just don't... I think he deserves it, but I don't think anyone... I really don't it. think it would go down well if Man U whipped out the checkbook for Zaha in January. I just don't think the fans would really I guess accept that transfer. Man U would get him on the cheap, wouldn't they? Because... Um... They get a cut of if he actually leaves Palace. Yeah, so they yeah. Financially, Man U are the best team to get him because of yeah, because that of makes that. a lot of sense. But I don't think he he won't want to go back. Like I said, I don't think he wants to leave London. And if he doesn't leave London, who's going to buy him? He, I don't think he'll stay in England. But well, he's an Arsenal fan, isn't he? As far as I'm when aware. he says he is, I mean, he claimed he was a Palace fan for years, but. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I think I think his last chance is in the next six months. Someone like AC Milan, a big name in Europe, is where he's going to go because I I don't see anyone in the Premier League being that desperate to buy him. But being in a league not quite the standard the Premier League might benefit him with with the. You know, in his last what four, five years as as an elite level player, but I think, I mean, if you if you want to dive all slightly, Hodgson's contracts up in the summer. Yeah, who, where are Palace going in the summer? Last time they changed manager, you know, they went for De Boer, and you saw what happened there. Maybe, <laughs> maybe Zaha is going to say, "Well, look, I'm on. I'm having a good season at Palace." And I'll 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 ride the season out. Hodgson could go in the summer, and I'll see who they get. Ian Holloway's on the market. Could be a nice reunion. Well, Holloway has had got what the best out of Zaha in the past in the Championship, but I think uh, Palace don't really want to find out what the Championship's like, so they might give him a little bit of a swerve. Yeah. I think one club that definitely needs to make a few signings is uh, Sheffield United, but. Then you you wouldn't know where they where they even look. Are they at the point now where they're looking at players to uh, get ready for the championship next season, or are they looking for players to help them stay up this season? I think, but again, again, where do they get the money from? I think with Sheffield United, if I mean, if if you, I mean, I remember when when they're in League One, and and I think the the current owner bought um, the vast majority of the club for, for less than ten million pounds. And they're now spending twenty million on Sander Berger and, and just under that McBurney and Ramsdale and I mean it's sad that this early in the season you think that's it for them. But financially, yes, you're going to get your parachute payments. But are you wanting to spend your parachute payments on paying off players that flopped for you in the Premier League? The four wins, four wins, not points, wins from safety. And they've had the worst ever start to a top flight season. You can't afford to gamble that money. And I think the biggest issue they have now is is making sure it is not just an absolute car crash that come the summer when they're told Wilder walks in first day and says, right, lads, forget last season. We're trying to get promoted again. The vast majority of you were here for us in the League One and the Championship. You know what this is about. Let's go. And just making sure that the club isn't rotten to the core in the summer. And if you're going to spend a load of money on players in January, I don't see who that helps because you're buying the kind of players that are only going to go to them because they're going to be offered so much money, but they're also the first ones to down tools as soon as they're down and want to leave. 
would you sack Wilder then? That's an interesting question that I've been I think the f- very very quickly with Wilder, you don't I think nobody wants to sack him, but you have to look at the situation. If the club is if they are losing every week for the next six months, you can't I don't think you can afford to have Wilder still as manager because if he's then lost every game for to be fair, a season for a year and then they walk in first season uh, first day back, I don't see what help it is. They've got to maintain the environment that does not make the club a lost cause. And the chairman has said, Wilder's the guy for him. So you've just got to hope that, that's, that it doesn't go Sunderland-esque, if you like, <laughs> for them. Yeah, I think I, I echo that, really. And um, I think most people now already have Sheffield United down. But, you never know, four wins, it's, it's doable if they can find some of their form and get some confidence that they showed last season. But yeah, who do you guys think will be joining them in the championship this year and who do you think is going to end up replacing them? See, I, I don't think they're going to go down to a start. I've watched quite a bit of Sheffield United this year and I think they've actually played pretty well. I, I think you should in put terms of... Tanner on that then because I'm sure you'll get very good odds on that. I might have a look at it because I, I, I still think that with the performances they're putting in week out and again, I've watched a fair few of the games, a lot of them, they've been pretty unlucky. Um, it's very misleading ask... though because Sunderland did the same thing when they got relegated. I mean, I, I mean, what was it fourteen years ago on fifteen points? And you know, it was such a big thing that they were the worst ever team in the Premier League. And but they only lost every game like one nil or two one or something like that. And it's like it's incredible to think a team can actually get so much bad luck against them because Sheffield United won every game last season. Every game that was a tight one, if you look, they won one nil. And it's gone completely against them this year. I think what they lost, they've lost about 14 games and nine of them have been by the odd goal. So yeah. it's, it's hard to say. Um, at this stage... I think I think Fulham are gone, to put, I, be honest. I, don't think, I, think, Fulham, I, I think Fulham will be OK. I think Fulham plays some good football. You know, maybe if they sign a few more defenders in January to shore up their defence, I, I think Fulham will be all right, you know. Well, but at the same time, Fulham also haven't scored... I haven't conceded that many goals, um, so yeah, I, th- I think they just need need to keep going. I I think West Bromer almost certainly down. Like West, they I mean Sam Allardyce, he's got January to do something, but they just look totally out of ideas. Um, you know, Carlin Grant is the type of striker to feed of a target man, and he's playing up front on his own. I mean, it's, you'd know all yeah, about that. I guess I guess if you do talk West Brom briefly. Allardyce is toughest team to keep up with Sunderland, and but when you look at the Sunderland team, it's um, Jermaine Defoe, Jan and Via, uh, you know the, the man who can't be named, um, you know pe- people <laughs> with that quality. Yeah, when you say Carlin Grant, I mean yeah, name wise he shouldn't be good enough. But then Allardyce didn't believe Defoe was good enough to play up front on his own initially, and. Um, his start at West Brom has been not too dissimilar to his start at Sunderland. It's not until he starts getting them clean sheets and the, and grinding out those draws and things in the spring that you actually see what they're made of. Um, I wouldn't rule West Brom out quite yet, but I, I mean, mm. it doesn't look good for him right now. The, yeah. the I mean, conversation I'd say, um, sorry, is um, I think he get. I mean, when Sam's talking, Dan was talking earlier about him. Um, managers that get away with murder. I think Graham Potter 
is doing very well for himself in that regard. I think they're gone. I, I that's the team I, I'm going down this year is Brian, because one win at home in a calendar year is absolutely abysmal. Um, Who wins this year? Quite frankly, they've been shocking. Yeah, they've been shocking. They've been they've been really poor. I mean, the win against Arsenal at the end of last season seemed to mask a lot of their worries and concerns. By which point, they're already kind of you know planning for the summer or whatever. But I just don't think they're good enough. I, I don't think they're. Apprentice. I think the thing is with that is you say Potter's getting off scot free, but are Brighton really a team that should be doing anything else than? Like well, mid table championship, but yeah, I mean Potter's doing well if he's if he's got them seventeenth, you'd argue. I think the thing with Brighton is is they do have a, you know a bit of money, and you could argue they haven't spent it wisely. You know, West Brom didn't really spend much in the summer. They pr- they probably won't spend much in in January. So you know they're kind of Sam Allardyce has got to work with what he's got. Whereas Graham Potter has had the freedom to spend a bit of money, but you know when he has done well in the past that. Um, Swansea and I think Osterlund's in Sweden he hasn't really had so much surplus cash to be able to spend and he's just kind of worked with what he's done used his tactics to, to suit and getting in new players might might kind of knock, knock his rhythm a bit but they've got they've got some good good players they've got I mean Morpay's a useful striker I mean Solly March is a good player they've obviously got well they're good, they're good players ben White's probably the next you'd say Solly March is a good player but you'd, you'd think of him as a, a good championship player not a good good Premier League player really I mean if Brian went, went down you wouldn't really you wouldn't really have any, everyone in the Premier League scrambling to try and sign him I'd, you'd probably imagine he'd stay with Brighton for. I mean I, th- yeah, there I there thought he would stay at Brighton but then when Swansea signed uh... no, sorry Stoke signed what's he called Sam Kluka I know, sorry, it was that one. Hull, Swansea signed Sam Klukas from Hull for 18 million. Maybe Sully Match would end up somewhere. Yeah, but you look, at, you look at some of the players that probably would get back into a Premier League team. Ben White absolutely would. I mean, I'd, I'd be honest, I'd take him as an option at United. Basuma is a good player. I think Dunk could do a job at a, a lower league Premier League team. I think it'd be quite useful at West Brom if they're, if they're wanting to stay up with Lee Peltier at centre-back, they're in trouble. Um yeah, no. I mean, Lalana. Lalana's another one. Well I don't Beck think Lalana and Welbeck are going anywhere. The fact they only went to Brighton on free shows shows their level of interest. Yeah, but I I still think Lalana could play a, a relegation. I don't. He can't. He can't stay fit. Though, he can I he? he could. I think if he does stay fit, he's more than good enough. And I, I think they've got they've got they've got players there that you'd you'd look at and you'd go, yeah, all right, we'd. We'd potentially sign them, whereas you look at other teams down there, West Brom being one, and you go, yeah, none other than Sam Johnston, who's you know a, a good keeper, and I think will go yeah. if they go down. I don't, I don't see anyone going. Yeah, we'll take some West Bromwich players. But I guess, I guess what you're looking at is what you're saying. What Sheffield are down, West Brom. Probably, uh, I mean, people will assume with Allardyce they'll stay up until it becomes mathematically impossible. And then, yeah, I, I mean, I guess you're saying Brighton. I think Fulham, Fulham, they've they've shown a bit more about them. Uh, Burnley, everybody, uh, I think Burnley are a bit like Allardyce. They assume they'll um, find a way to stay up. They, they'll guarantee. find a way to stay up, and, and then if and then if it becomes a debate about anybody else, then really they have been. They probably end up going on about a seven eight game losing run to find themselves finishing below. Um, what three of Burnley, Brighton, West Brom, and and 
I'll tell you who's an interesting one to consider. Could could Leeds potentially, if teams figure them out? I think I be th- down there. Or Leeds down have got Leeds have got twenty three points. I'm not even sure if a couple of the teams down there are getting that this season. <laughs> I think the thing with Leeds, think well, the thing with Leeds is they might not have a great season, but I, I don't see any danger of them um, being threatened with relegation. Leeds I, I, was another hipster choice where they thought, oh, they'll probably finish by eighth, and it was like, no, Bielsa needs a year to actually find out what the Premier League's about. That's no disrespect to him. But he's needed a year because he's seen that they can score four against Fulham and three against Liverpool and, and then get thrashed by Leicester and Villa and West Ham. And Leeds will probably finish about 14th and that's a fantastic you, campaign for them. In terms of, I think, I think, I don't know. I think, are we saying... For our first podcast, we're saying Brighton, West Brom, and Sheffield, and then if it's not, then you know, good luck to good luck to the, the think, other team. Yeah, I, th- I think I think I think Sheffield might actually stay up. I know that sounds yeah. absolutely crazy, but I'm going to say West Brom, Fulham, Brighton. I think that's out. I think that's bold. I, I think Sheffield United are as good as gone. To be honest with you, I know it's very early to predict that, and then I'd probably go for West Brom and Brighton. Two points on New Year's Day in the staying up, Dan. You bet your house on it, mate. <laughs> <laughs> Mate, with the bets I've been making, put it this way: I had a bet on a friend rang me up five minutes before the Liverpool game, and you could put five p on and win a, a five pound free bet. So I put fifty p on Callum Wilson and Mohamed Salah to have a shot on target each in each half, and then my five pound free bet went on Salah, Mane, Firmino to have ten shots on target between them. Oh, so target. far in the sixtieth minute, and they've had a grand total of zero shots on target. Ten shots on target was very. Was very optimistic. <laughs> it was, but Liverpool have played poorly recently. I thought they'd yeah. come out the come out the block. So, so if that's taught anybody anything, Dan's prediction of Sheffield United it's, it's might pants. not happen. Might not happen. Right. Um, in terms, I think, of, I think if I give you a betting tip, go for the opposite. Is generally the trend there. Well, there yeah, I, in terms of replacing, is it going to be the uh, the three that went down? I mean, it's only what I mean. You know, your your fun fact today is there's only once all three relegated teams have gone straight back up. I think it might not even be that actually. Bournemouth have just lost to Brentford, so yeah, that was. I thought that was a big result. I think I think it's relying on a lot for the same three to go up. Actually, I don't think it's happened before because um, Sunderland lost to a South London team on penalties that prevented it happening. But um, I think Norwich, just as everybody thought they were going to win the league, they've dropped a couple of points in the last few games. I still think they will. I still think they'll win the league. I think they've got a better... Provided they don't get raided in January for Buendia, Max Ahrens, Cantwell. I haven't seen anybody linked with moving apart from Buendia and that Arsenal thing. And then apparently Arsenal are going to offer them nothing. So I'm not sure that's going to happen. I think Ahrens will go. To be honest, I think if there's going to be a transfer from Norwich in January, it'll be Aaron's. I do. I don't think they need to now. I think now they've seen the position they're in. They're like, we're going to gamble on being back in Prem in the summer because obviously it's, it's ultimately financial, and that's why they let um, Godfrey and Lewis go in the summer, wasn't it? Did they let someone else go? No, they nearly let no, Aaron's go. Uh, Norwich. I mean, are we assuming that they're going up, even if they let one defender go? But surely they're still too good, aren't they? Um, yeah, I think you, you say that, but if Swansea get a result tonight, you know, there's only three points 
between Norwich and third. So any drop in form, and you know Brentford are hot in their tails. Bournemouth well, game in hand. Well, Brentford are going to bottle it as soon as they get anywhere near doing it. Uh, yeah, Brentford are perennial bottlers. But... Uh, yeah, but this might be the year. We said Brentford. that last year. <laughs> they are really, they are running be. out though. If if I think there's only so long you can be the outside choice for promotion, and now mm. Brentford the last couple of years are like, no, actually, you're not the outsider. You're actually probably should do it. There's also only um, so long that you can, you know, have an insane, insanely good team, sell all your players every summer, and magically replace them with another insane team the next season and go again. I, I don't know how how they keep <laughs> pulling it off. They lose all their players and yet the next season they've found someone else like they've, they've even got Tariq Foso tearing it up for them this season the same Tariq Foso who struggled at, in League One at Charlton before getting they shipped off to Oxford and you know now he's somehow finding himself at Brentford playing well yeah they, 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 I mean because they always used to finish about eighth just outside the playoffs but um, I mean look, they, they, they've kept they've kept doing what they're doing from last year even with the loss of, you know, Ollie Watkins, the man that was scoring all the goals, and, and uh, Ben Rama going as well. Do you have the confidence, though, to say they're going up? If, if they're not finished, if we say Norwich are going to win the league, Brentford have to finish second, don't they? Because they're not going to make, they're not going to win the playoffs. No, I think, see, uh, this is the thing. I think Watford are going to be, are probably going to be the automatic team. I think it'll be Norwich and Watford, and then Brentford have every chance. I think the play. thing is, I'd like to see Brentford go up. I'd I'd love to see what you know with a bit of Premier League TV money, what what they could do with being able to splash the cash because they just they just seem to be New able stadium. to buy the right players and get them to click every time. And you know they've got this whole money ball tactic going for them, and it it, it seems to work. I mean, they're definitely uh, clearly punching above their weight by performing as well as they are in the Championship, but. You know, you can you can have all the statistics you want, but when your your teams seems to ball it every season, like what what can you really do? Well, Swansea still yeah, nil nil anyway. <laughs> but, but first game in a new stadium, it would be nice if it was in the Prem, wouldn't it? Because I don't think we're gonna have fans. Oh, definitely year, not. So. No. Uh, I mean, they've had, they've had fans this season, haven't they? But only two thousand. Yeah, and then who's next? You're saying dancing Watford. Who's Luke saying for the other team to go up? Automatically, I, I think it would. I think it would be Norwich and Bournemouth. I, I mean, I, yeah. I, I Watford. Watford have a good team. Some very. You don't some, know anything about the manager, they do it. Oh God, that's that's the thing. That's yeah, their that's, problem, you know. You know, they do. They do not doing too badly. <laughs> I mean, one, when one when you're in the when you're in the playoffs, you probably just shouldn't be sacking your manager. I, I know, obviously, they're aiming for first, but. It's it's very harsh to sack their manager. That they, they were on a average run of form. You know, give him a chance to turn he it around. He won manager of the month. What, he won manager uh, I mean, how many managers have Watford had in the last year? Like last few years, like six or seven or what? I'd love I'd love to know actually, Alex, if you can do some research for the next podcast. How many managers have been manager of the month the month before they get sacked? Because that's an interesting little stat. Surely, surely next to none. This must be one of the first examples. Well, well yeah, I'm guessing the championship is opening up a bit. I mean, Darren Moore got awarded the Premier League Manager of the Month the day before they were relegated. <laughs> that's that's quite yeah. niche. Um, obviously, there's a there's a correlation between those things. Well, this this is the thing. If Sheffield if Sheffield United are down a month to go, and then Chris Wilder wins every game six 0 then is he going to get Manager of the Month? I'm assuming. 
Jimmy, you will. I but... mean, if he manages to win any game at all this season, he'll get six. Put it this way: if he wins, if he keeps them up, then all I'm saying is, all the people that are listening are going to put five pound on. Thanks to my tip, you're very welcome. There's, there's no chance. You're very welcome indeed. They're very welcome. They can give you a bloody mansion with the amount of uh, winnings they're going to get from it. But yeah, I'm, I'm definitely going to go for Norwich, Bournemouth, and. I'm gonna say I'm gonna say Swansea will win the playoffs. You're not tempted by an eighth place Barnsley. Though. I mean that if Barnsley, oh. I know Barnsley, they've been in the Premier League before, right? But oh, Barnsley in the Premier League would just be like, what, what the hell is going on? Like, it's what you think for when you know Bournemouth went up and well, uh, maybe even Burnley the, back in the day. But oh, Barnsley, oh, they they're just never they're just not a Premier League team at all. On, on the plus side, if they do go up, Kai Havertz will have more than one good game of season. Easy six yeah, goals for him. For it. <laughs> what about what about Stoke? Are they worth a conversation for playoffs? Mm. I think they're definitely worth a conversation because they, they've spent the last two years making a team good enough, good enough to be in it. I mean, the fact it's taken um, is this the third manager? Yeah, I think it is. Or is it four? No, hang on, Broward. Was Rowett Michael O'Neill there now, isn't he? Mike, yeah, Mike. Oh. I, I, yeah, I mean, yeah, it's at that stage where I can't even remember. Did did Rowett replace Lambert, and then then L- Rowett was replaced by Nathan Jones. Yeah, yeah I think it's right. And then O'Neill, then his O'Neill replaced. Then his O'Neill replaced. Jones, yeah, I maybe think it's so. three. Uh, yeah, <laughs> well, yeah, it's taking them three managers to get it right, and then one of the guys that couldn't do anything at Stoke is working wonders at Luton. So, who knew that would happen? Um, I mean, they're definitely up there, but then who are you saying is dropping out? I mean, Reading, as soon as you think they're done, they end up going on a run of games, and then I think the top five, if any of them don't finish in the playoffs, and it's a bit of a shock, really. Yeah, it does seem that way, doesn't it? I mean, Forest have dropped off massively this season, so they're nowhere near, which I thought they were going to kick on this year, but clearly not. Um, Cover an interesting one. If they can finish mid-table, that's a great season, but I don't see that happening. I was asking for the playoffs, Dan. <laughs> I'm just, I'm he's going predicting mid-table. He, he wants to, know, he wants to tell well, you he's going to finish 13. Well, I'm having a look and, and Borough with um with Warnock if they get a couple of players in they keep Duncan Warnock. They just get you know, battered by um, Wickham yesterday. They, they can't they can't win away. The thing is with Middlesbrough is they win every home game but they lose every away game and it, it doesn't really help when you try to play. Into us. The exact mm. problem to us. Um, but Bristol City they they're, they're in no. four points off. Preston are five I think points Preston off. Preston are a better shout and they got well. They've won as many games as they've lost this season, so I don't think they're going to get I there. Mean, to, be honest, to be honest, I think I'd just say, I mean, you're presuming Reading will bottle it, but there's always a surprise team in the playoffs, and I feel like swapping Black with Reading sounds a lot, sounds far too early. What about Blackburn? Um, in theory, they're only eight points off. You're gonna t- if you're going to tell me that Adam Armstrong is going to fire a team to the Premier League, then... <laughs> Adam Armstrong, Harvey Elliott, Bradley Dax, some good players. Yeah, I mean, this is what makes the Championship so interesting, isn't it, really? Because you're not really sure where you start on a relegation battle and where you start on who actually can't make the playoffs. Because 
even if you're comfortably sat, you know, like you say, Blackburn, Cardiff position now, I mean, technically, they're only eight points off the playoffs. But a couple of back-to-back wins and you're there, aren't you? Still a very um, big turnaround, but well, it's it is, doable. But the, club, the surprise club that does it, does that, don't they? They go on a very impressive run and they, and they just squeeze into it. Press, Preston are in but what, form, what about? So. I want to ask you about in the league below that, actually. Your two clubs. Obviously, Charlton are currently in the playoffs and actually have a chance at automatic. And, and Sunderland have every chance of getting into the playoffs. Yeah, I've, um, I, I think this is know, something that you know we could really talk about all day, me and Alex. I, I, I'll try and give a little brief thought on Charlton. Um one thing I will say that that's very annoying, you know, Charlton struggled for years with owners. It seems like we've, we've finally got a good owner who's willing to invest into the club and, you know, help us hopefully get back to where we belong. And, you know, all of a sudden we're looking to sign some players in January because uh, our owner, Thomas Sangard's coming in the summer and we've only had a, a few days of the transfer window left to sort anything out. And uh, January could have been a big one, but unfortunately the Premier League clubs have told us that, you know, we're not allowed to, spend any money this window they've banned all league one and league two clubs from spending any money which which is a bit a bit ridiculous like fair enough they're helping bail the clubs out but if the clubs have got got their money they want to spend on transfers to help them get back up to the championship and be more financially stable due to the money that comes from being in the championship then then why not but you know we're, st- we're still linked with the um, danish league top scorer which you know might seem a bit of a joke, but um, you know the team's just drawn against Liverpool in the Champions League, and we're linked with one of their best players from last season, and we're in the third tier. So, so that can only really be good. I, I think the thing with Charlton is um, is actually having expectations. We, we've never really had expectations in the last five, ten years. So to have some, it's it's, it's frustrating now when we're not winning every game. Um, we, we are struggling a bit, and you know it's just. These these players, these well known players, these Darren Prattleys and Ben Watsons, you know, they they on paper very good players, but you know, you need you need to fine line between uh, experience and and kind of youth. And Ben Watson and Darren Prattley in the same team is is kind of asking for trouble. Any any team that's got any slight turn of pace can absolutely destroy our midfield. And I mean, we all know how important controlling the midfield is in football, even in League One when it's just usually hoof it from the defence up to the striker and bypass the midfield. But I, I think I think we'll we'll be up there in the playoffs and I'm I'm hoping for a repeat of the twenty nineteen and uh nineteen ninety seven or eight, whatever it was, and we'll do Sunderland on in the final at Wembley. Is is it is it possible though that if you don't go up this season Bowyer could be in trouble? I I don't know because this um the new owner is very much a people pleaser and he knows how much people like Boya. I I do think the fans are slightly turning on Lee Boya at the minute. I think I think if he doesn't deliver, I mean we do miss arm players. I would not be surprised to see him go. I I think it would be harsh considering what he's done at the club. You know, realistically work miracles with with what little we've had the past few years. Um. I think he did inherit a good squad, though. I think the squad that went up from League One a few years back, despite all our money troubles, is a lot better than the squad we have now, which is slightly worrying. Is, um, we, we didn't perform too well the season. We actually went up. but um, We'll see. I, I wouldn't be surprised if, if he were to be sacked if we didn't go up. So, so in terms of January signings, then, it's not looking, not looking great. 
in terms of uh, the outlook for Chelsea. Well, obviously, I, I mentioned we're not allowed to spend any money, but um, we, we need strikers and we, we need defenders. We're looking at, obviously, getting in the Danish league top scorer. Um, obviously, we've got Dylan Levitt on loan from Manchester United. I think we will probably send him back and um, make another loan sign. He's, he's unfortunately just not, not done anything um, at all. Only played a handful of games and looked very out of depth when he has, which is disappointing because someone told me he was yeah the hottest prospect in the Premier League. But not quite, not quite that. But I said alongside James Garner, the two of them were, from what I'd seen in youth football, both yeah. looked very promising individuals, and both were tipped to eventually play a few games for United's first team. I mean, obviously they played against the Starter, but that yeah. was I, I think I think the yeah. thing with League yeah, One yeah. is like. Can you really make a, a big signing? Like obviously, down in the last couple of years, you know, Sunderland have spent four million on players like Will Grigg, but that's that's just not really too plausible anymore because there's obviously this um, this salary cap where your average player has to be on about two and a half grand a week. And I mean, I don't know how much Will Grigg's on, but I'm imagining it's at least five times that. And it's just going to be very hard to attract players to the league now. Well, it's very nice that you uh, bring up our financial situation. Uh, I think Greg is on about 12K, which is, I mean, it's, it's one of them. It's, it's absolutely astronomical to, to the man in the street. But then whoever Man United have on 250 grand a week, £12,000 sounds like nothing. Um, I mean, I think the biggest thing is really is with League One, it's, it's just like the last season, it's does the season actually end? Because um, Sunderland have had, you know, um, tonight's match, oh no, yesterday's match, sorry, is the fourth successive game they've had um, called off because of COVID. And when you actually look at the playoff picture, they've, they've only got one game in hand on, on everybody in the playoffs. And that's after having four games off because of COVID. So really with League One, with not many players, you know, I'm sure Luke's mentioned, Luke will mention a couple with Charlton, but with, with not actually having any European Championship commitments, when you're talking about who's going to go up, everyone's wary of the point of the game thing after last year, but I think the league's going to have to be extended and then it, obviously it turns into a bit of a different, different situation then. I, 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 could, but do you think we'll complete the league? I think the thing is, I think the thing is you have, you looking at having to extend it because of how many games are being postponed and they're, they're very much considering the circuit breaker because, I mean, we the last game round had seven out of 12 games called off, which is which is ridiculous. And with the situation in England, obviously getting a bit worse, you that, can, that probably won't go down. But I think the thing is, you could argue they could extend it. But then, you know, Charlton have got key players that are going to be at the Euros. And I mean... Most of the other clubs don't, but if Charlton are missing a few of their best players because they're playing at the Euros, you know, it's it's just not fair. That could cost Charlton an automatic place. It could cost them a playoff place. I mean, well, my heart bleeds for that. I mean, it would just be unfair if Charlton sits second place and it's very tight, and all of a sudden you're being told that you know you're losing your two of your best players because they're going to play in the Euros, and I mean, you you expect them to obviously go and fulfil their Euro commitments and stay at their club and help their club, but. It's just I mean, a very there's, there's unfair a disadvantage, I think. But then... There's a number of concerns because as far as Sunderland are concerned, and well, this is the case for every club, actually, I think, 
there's there's six midweeks free until the end of the season. And as it stands, Sunderland are going to have to play four of them as, as game weeks, meaning that they're going to play two games a week now from the 2nd of January until I think the season ends on the 8th of May. And you're talking about you can send up players going away to play for their country. But actually, can a player, can, can league, well, can, can players play twice a week for five months? That, you know, it's quite a, a commit, well, a commitment in terms of their body, isn't it? Well, yeah, I don't really think that's possible. I mean, Charlton really struggle playing multiple games a week. We've got, you know, these countless players, you know, your Ledley King type players who apparently can't play twice a week because, you know, they've got these niggling injuries. So, you know, we're forever rotating our squad, which is forever messing with any momentum we get. So um, I think I think it's a real issue and it'll be interesting to see what they do about it. It wouldn't surprise me if they do extend the season, but I mean, that could be costly for a team like us who has three, three or four key players who could be going to the Euros. Well, in terms in terms of league position, I don't think they reflects either of your your records actually, because Sunderland are the, have lost the least amount of games in the entire division, and Charlton are joint second on that stat. So it's it's, it's too many draws. Yeah, well, you've drawn five, and Sunderland have drawn seven. Well, so as soon, well, as soon as well, yeah, I think. I mean, I think we, you have to go quite far down the league to find someone that's drawn more than us. But uh, as, you know, we you know we finally changed manager, which was a, a massive relief. And his league record is won one, lost one, drew one. And it's like, I mean, yeah, you can chicken the cup win in that as well. But just when the manager's trying to, you know, sow some seeds, <laughs> he hasn't been able to play four games in a row. Which, which, I mean, if this happened in the Premier League, you know, you know, Tottenham's match with Fulham being called off today, but um, and Man City yesterday, but you know, Sunderland not being able to play the last four games in a row is quite a, a, a quite a phenomenal you know, statement really that that's the situation they're in. And the fact that, like I said, you know, the two teams above them have played 20 games, but everybody above them's only played about one game less shows how serious the situation is. So, so do you think it could be, um, I think, uh, I think if it comes down to a vote, I think if it comes down to a vote from a football league, everyone's going to say, purely because there's so many teams involved in, at both ends of the table, I mean, predominantly promotion's the real, the real, you know, gold mine. But um, I think they are. I think they are going to be like, look, we've got absolutely no problem extending the season by two weeks, maybe three. I mean, but the problem is, it's now. It's like Sunderland have had four games called off. If they have another outbreak that causes another four games to be called off, how can you suddenly fit eight games in? Well, that's that's what my question Do, is. It a serious possibility that we have a situation like we did last year in the lower leagues, in the sense that potentially it could be. I, I do think they're gonna. I don't think anyone's calling. Yeah. I don't think anyone's calling off this year. I think they will find too, a way to finish the season. Um, I, I just, I just wonder, like, how they're gonna do it. I, I don't know how long after the season it is. The Euros is is, is planning on starting and. Whether that just means like the players that are due to go to the Euros will just join up with the training camp a bit later, but I, I mean, I, I don't think they're going to sacrifice the Euros for for League One promotion, even if it is a big deal. Um, 
I, I also don't. I can't imagine there's many other teams other than Charlton that have any players who are actually going to the Euros. So, I mean, I'm. I think it's. I think it's quite strange that a team in League One can have three players going to the Euros, let alone one. So I don't really imagine any other team apart from us will really be affected. But in terms of in terms of next season, though, that could have a serious knock-on effect. Not so much for you, but for, for teams. I'm thinking more teams in the Prem that have say, a starting eleven of international starters who have virtually no break. Um, well, we've got a much that bigger negatively affect that, them next we? season? Because the World, the World Cups? Yes. Oh, it hasn't counted. We've <laughs> um, um, got a bigger problem with that now, now don't we? Because obviously they're trying to work out when the seasons are going to finish with Qatar's World Cup. But... Um, yeah, I think th- th- there is a massive problem with when these seasons are going to start because I think the European Championships will happen with fans, probably not. And this is where, you know, the Premier League goal, whilst it's being played, nobody's bothered whilst League One's actually had got some serious issues. It all comes down to whether these games can actually be played and, you know, as much as everyone wants to treat them like machines, these are, these are human beings with... You know, you know they are professional athletes, but there's only so much their bodies can take. And, and you know, you think these Premier League players are so much fitter and have better facilities than League One players. If League One, if Premier League players are going to struggle doing the schedule with with Premier League games increasingly being called off, or and with their European Championship commitments, meaning they don't get much of a break, then what chance does League One have? I think as well, Charlton are really already struggling with um, you know muscle injuries through. Overworking, whether that's in training or due to the schedule or whatever, I, I think so many teams are, are going to struggle as the season goes on because, as as Alex said, you know, they're they're basically playing every single week, twice a week from January until the end of the season, and I think most teams are, are in a similar position. I think Accrington are in an even worse position where they've actually got more games to catch up on, and you know, with with games over the coming days set to be postponed as well due to COVID and League One, it's, it's just going to get worse and worse. So it, it will be interesting to see. But and it shouldn't be it, downplayed it's, it's a mess either because right now. when you when you look at the it shouldn't be downplayed either because when you look at the clubs involved, Portsmouth, Hull, Charlton, Ipswich, Sunderland, you know, down at the bottom, Wigan. You know, these are all teams that are in the Premier League recently, and you know, and then in terms of you know, everyone talks about football. They just want a, a level playing field. You know, to be to be assessed who's the best team over the course of a season, and you know, you're not really going to get that with the current situation. So, is the fairest thing not to just um, abandon? Yeah, but the when season. you say abandon, do you mean the season is null and void, or do you mean points per game? Because I mean, I'm quite happy playing the season until well, Sunderland find themselves in the playoffs on points per game, to be honest. Well, I don't think points per game is a fair way to do it at all. Like you said, it, the season is a completed season. I just think points per game you is can't... slightly on in the season. A bit ridiculous. I, I think there was a, definitely a case for it last season when, you know... I think it was the ridiculousness of it, though, last year with Wickham jumping from eighth to third. And, one of the, and the only reason they jumped that high was their game in hand was a way to top of the league. And it was like, well, with Wickham's form, they were never going to win that game. So why have they benefited so much from it? 
You know, it was ridiculous. I don't agree with the whole points per game thing at all. But then you look at lower down, even in the semi-pro leagues, all just caught off. I mean, you had that team who'd won, what, 27 games yeah, at 27? Bulls, they, they, they won every single game and they told they weren't going to get promoted. But the problem is, is no one cares about non-league to an extent. Whereas if you called off League One, you'd then say to the championship, well, we don't need to bother playing the championship because no one can get relegated. But then everyone's going to say, well, no, yep. someone needs to get promoted. But then what's the point clubs paying the money and risking their players if they can't, you know, to finish between 10th and 24th, if they're not getting relegated and they and they, they can't get promoted? Mm-hmm. It's, a, it's, a, look, it's, a, it's a situation that, the, you know, the, the actual, you know, the government and the football league struggled with deciding on, on what could happen and what... what um, what outcomes there could be since so, you know you know like Luke said you could talk all night about it you know at the minute we're presuming the games are going ahead not that any of the fixtures have been rearranged yet but uh, we both hope our teams will get promoted and um, I personally I hope we're both in the playoff final but... well idea well it's not I mean it's, it's not too much of an unreasonable like chance to say we'll get, we'll, we, we could both finish automatic you know, if Luke wants to be in a playoff final, I'll gladly take second place. So, I think it's <laughs> optimistic for both of us to finish automatic. We we are not we're not looking like an automatic team this season, sadly. <coughs> yeah, but we've got Lee Johnson, so he knows he be, he's managed to beat Man United, so he knows what he's doing. Yeah, but let's be fair, that Man United team was was what worst worst team of bluffers. One opposition. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, they're not no, quite on par with Burnout. Yeah, well, I remember when we lost to End, Freddie Eastwood, and then he signed for Coventry, and then they beat us a year later. Yeah. I mean, we've we've lost to Wales to Southend many a time, but yeah, we lost to Southend not that long ago <laughs> either. And now they look like they're going out the league. So, what does what does that tell you about it? But um... well, talking of losing, actually. Uh, the Liverpool game is currently in its last minute, and uh, considering you're not going to tell me there's been a the goal. Best, well, I was going to say, no. I'm going to tell you like, the five. You've pound, killed that for I'm me. Tell you the, the five pound free bet that I had on <coughs> Salah Mane for me to have ten shots on target between them is currently yielding an impressive and rather expected zero out of ten on that. Salah, so Salah, for me, the, the money Mane. To have ten shots on target between them, and they've had zero in the. I mean, entire zero game. sounds unlikely, but I think to any listeners, you can see uh, what kind of bets Dan goes for if he's thinking they're going to get ten shots on target. It was a it was a fifty to one only fifty to one Jesus. fifty to one, but I think like many people, they're expecting Liverpool to really come out of the blocks and. And smack them, to be honest, because they were poor against West Brom. And by the sounds of it, they've been equally I mean, poor this I mean, evening. Look, I mean, uh, you know, I'm not biased when it comes to Newcastle. I, I don't care who beats them. But, um, <laughs> you know, I guess Liverpool dropping points does make, you know, the, the top of the Premier League interesting. Because I think even as a Liverpool fan or even Dan as, as a Man United fan previously, if you are going to win the league, you want a bit of the title race. Because as fun as it is to say you are gonna, you know, piss the league, 
you do want a bit of tension and a bit of like, no, we've earned this coming under pressure and, and getting the points when it's needed, don't you? Well, if, if Liverpool do drop points tonight, then as we've said, the game isn't finished yet. If they do drop points and we beat Villa on Friday, that means we are joint top, which I'd never thought I'd be saying on the 1st of January. That is quite ridiculous. I don't think um, anyone saw it coming. No, and I think I, I said to I can't remember who I said it to at the start of the season that we'd be in a title race at some point, and there were good odds on it. And uh, ironically, it's the one I didn't go for. But it, is it would it is. be. I think it would um, be a shame if Man United did win the league under Solskjaer because I think that would uh, he'd it would probably be the worst coach to win it. <laughs> but but is that not a massive disrespect to what? Yeah, Solskjaer's probably. Doing? Probably. Solskjaer, but at the Solskjaer same time, in a normal PSG league, he'd win it. So he's beaten PSG no. twice. We got knocked out of the Champions League group stage. The same. Same season. Yeah, but you look at if you look at the group, you look at that group when we were drawn in it. Um, most Man United fans at the time thought we were going out. I certainly did. Leipzig are a, a very good team. And I think the thing is watch. with the with the power Man U command, you know the the facilities they have at their ex, uh, disposal. You know they, they should not be not be not on par with PSG and, and you know you should always be aiming to, to comfortably beat Rounds and Bulls for Leipzig which I mean you did once and very comfortably and then somehow managed I, I to, to lose is, a return I think the thing is with what Dan said a good while ago now actually he said that Man United needed four players to seriously challenge and, and I think I think you could buy the four best you could arguably buy the four best players in the world in every formation and even then, you couldn't even guarantee that Solskjaer would manage to win the Champions League and the Premier League with him. Because we did a good job at Cardiff. Well, you know. care. <laughs> yeah, but he did win a title. With exactly. Well, this is the he thing: the man, the man has you know title so did But yeah, exactly. But I, th- I think I think the problem is with Solskjaer is no matter how good a team you do, he you know he's allowed to build. He doesn't have the quality as a coach to actually, to actually but I, but I... win the Premier League or the Champions League even if he has the best team because he just when it push comes to shove he can't do it all he had, he all he had to do was draw with Leipzig all he had to do was draw with the team that he'd beaten 5-0 and I didn't care if it finished three two. They got absolutely smashed in that first half, and that was just awful to watch him sit on that bench and be like, "Oh, I can't do anything." And yeah, it was. was. Yeah. yeah, it was. But you you've got to look at the way we've played in Europe with five at the back has worked. So we played five. How does it work? Defensively, we weren't enough. You didn't win the Europa League, which you have a squad capable to. And you did, and you can yeah, get out your Champions League group. I'd say no, it hasn't worked. I think this season, up until that game, it had worked. Losing and to Istanbul back here was was, was yeah, worked. I was getting on for that. Yeah, but this but this is the thing. Solskjaer has not told eleven players from a corner to all be in their own within the attacking half and not yeah, track them apart. Sam Allardyce wouldn't I'm sorry, that's that's shocking. Defending that's that's game management from the players. 
that result cost us the Champions League, basically. We won the first two games and we looked pretty good in both. And all we had to do was go and get a point at Istanbul and we'd have been through. And we didn't do it. And unfortunately, that, that's what's cost us. I don't think the game against Leipzig has cost you because you win, you win your home games and you draw an away game and you're through. And we won PSG away, Leipzig at home and Istanbul at home. But the Istanbul away would have compensated for the PSG loss at home. But, I, we but very lucky you've got to forget that it's happened. Um, I, yeah, but, what I'm, but my point my point is, Alex, that you, I don't think you can judge Solskjaer as a coach in terms of whether he's got the minerals to win a Premier League or Champions League trophy until you give no, him a squad said, capable no, of doing that. so. Said, and we haven't got the squad the capable of doing so. World, I don't think he would do it. But ultimately, but, with, yeah, with, with Solskjaer, but, I, I genuinely believe if he is to prove his soul... Now they're in the Europa League. They have to win the Europa League. I think Manchester United is a squad good enough to win the Europa League. And if they had Jose Jose Mourinho, I think they'd win it again. Well, the funny thing you should say that because the Liverpool game has now just finished. Yeah, but they're playing a club. And if we win on Friday, we're in the They've done well not to concede to them. They're a massive clue. Right. A top side... If we win on Friday, could we could we be in a title race and then not be focusing on the Europa well, League? I'd rather focus I think, on. I think Premier we'll end it on. Uh, I think we'll end it on you dreaming of a title race, shall we? Yeah, why not? Because why it's. Not? It, I mean, it's a nice place to be anyway. Absolutely, I'd have loved it at the start of the season. So I'm going to enjoy every single second of it until it comes so crashing we'll, down. Yeah, so, so I think yeah, we'll say look, there's, there's a lot of football to be played. In, in the new year, there's a lot of football to play before the end of the season. But, you know, in terms of the games coming thick and fast, you know, I'm, I'm sure the next time we speak, Manchester United could be in a lot better. All, right, All three of our teams worse. will be in a title race. And, and you, know, I'm sure we'll, <laughs> you know, I'm sure Man United could be in a lot better or a lot worse position than Sunderland and Charlton won't have played again. So there you Three. Go. All right, cheers. So hopefully... Uh, people have uh, taken something from that debate anyway you know I hope we've covered enough different topics there with January and Premier League and Championship and League One and transfers and and our predictions which Dan has been quite bold on on some of them and uh, I'm sure we'll be able to uh, call call him out or he'll prove us wrong in, in the coming weeks ahead anyway and Harrogate Town fans aren't going to be happy with the lack of lead too, but you know. Well, I think after their drop in form <laughs> recently, <laughs> when you thought they might end up in uh, the playoffs, they'll probably quite happily take us. Not mentioning them until they've had a bit of time before. Well, well, we'll talk about Salford next time when you two have watched the most recent series of the uh, Class of '92. I don't think I've, I don't think I've watched that since it was on BBC One about six years ago. <laughs> <laughs> Compelling watch. Graham Alexander not quite rallying the troops. Is, what is that? Is it still on Sky, is it? On Sky? Yeah. Sky what? what? Sky. Or Sky Sport? <coughs> uh, I watched it on Sky Sports Catch-Up, but I imagine it'll be on Sky 1. Oh. Well, I'm sure uh, any Salford fan that's been listening will be keen to hear about our viewpoint on that uh, in the uh, in the next episode. Yeah, it's just as the Premier League table does flash up here, Manchester United, if they win the game in hand by n- 10 goals to nil, they will be top of the league. 
Don't rule it out. I've seen us play some great bombs with Villa in their games. Where are they? They will be only second, which would also be a disappointment for the 1982 European Cup winners. Newcastle United eight points clear of the relegation zone is a shame to announce tonight as well. 